God, we just come before you today, giving you our everything, our best, our all, and just open up our hearts and our, our minds to what you have for us today, and um, send your spirit to just fill this place, and we just give you all the glory and honor, Lord, and all of our praise, and we just hope it's pleasing to you, in Jesus' name.
gracious Father. You are a good, good Father. And we come before you today. Humbly come before you. And we just thank you for your mercy and your grace to us. We are a needy people. It matters not <clears throat> how long we've walked in this path with you. We are still needy people. And we thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you that the wrath of God was satisfied. We thank you that hell has no power, the grave has no power, because you, Jesus, have overcome. And Father, we acknowledge today that nothing can wash away our sins but for the blood of Jesus. Your word says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We worship you today, Father. You alone are worthy to be worshiped and praised. You have created all things and the heavens declare your glory. The heavens declare your workmanship. The heavens declare your might and your power. And yet, as mighty and as powerful as you are, you have chosen to take up residence in us by the presence of your Holy Spirit. That is grace beyond measure. And so, Father, today we worship you. And now we want to worship you in a different way. We've worshiped you in song. But now, Father, we want, and we worshiped you from our hearts, and now we want to worship you from our hearts by giving into your kingdom. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and he is our king, and he rules, and he reigns. And we thank you, Father. We give in to that kingdom because we want to see that kingdom expanded. We're not interested in building an empire to ourselves. We want to expand your kingdom, Father. Thank you for giving us the privilege to give in to your kingdom. Bless our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Well, thank you for being here today. Um, before we get into the rest of the service, there is um, there's something that, um, that I love to do, and we're going to do that this morning. I love, I love infant dedications. I'm particularly excited about this infant dedication because they, they happen to be my grandbabies, and uh, there's an element of uh, bittersweetness here. Uh, this could be the last ones I get to dedicate unless I can, you know, twist some arms, but I don't know how that's going to work, okay? <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I would certainly welcome, I, I'm trying to tell them to get me to an even 10, and then I'll be okay, you know, and we're at nine right now, so we'll just, but, but that's fine. So I'll tell you what, um, Angie and Billy, um, if you'll come up, and the rest of the immediate family, you can come, on both sides, you can come up as well, okay? Come on, we're going to. Patty, you can bring Chris, Patty, you can bring Chris up here. There are no disruptions in this, okay? We're all. You turn toward me. Ooh, I just shocked you. Shocked. Let me, let me just by, by way of introduction, uh, for those of you who, who may not know, um, the gentleman, you can turn around, gentleman. Yes, I, you, I use that word. I use that word sparingly, and <laughs> but but this is um, Bill Scarpelli. This is Billy's dad, and this is Barbara. Barbara, this is Billy's mother, and this is Tiffany. Tiffany is Billy's sister. Okay. Now Billy has one other sister, Christy, and she couldn't be with us today. Um, it, it's sort of lopsided here, isn't it? I mean, it's just. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're working on, uh, and and for um, for those of you who um, who are only here occasionally, you may not know, but this is this is my son Corey, and his wife Dara, and I know that you know uh, Asher and Judah because they're they they run around here all the time, so um, it's uh, it's good to have them here as, as well. Um, we've gathered together here today to. Um, to, to dedicate um, Joshua and Jordan. Now, I, I just want to say a few things. Um, this, this dedication today is more about the parents and the family than it is about the children. Okay? These children are... They, they only understand one thing. In and out. <laughs> Uh, that, that's just, they, they eat and they soil their diapers, okay? That's what they do. Uh, they don't understand anything except when they're hungry, they cry. And they want to be held. That's the, the extent of their world right now. To, to think that they would understand what it means to, be, to have believers' baptism, it, it makes no sense. So we don't baptize infants. We don't, we don't practice that. As a matter of fact... Billy and Angie, even as their parents, they don't have the right, help me, you just have to understand me for a minute, I'll get there. 
they don't even have the right to say in front of us, I'm, I'm giving my children to God because we don't know what their future holds. But what they can say is, I am going to do everything I can for, it, for the rest of their lives to point them to the Savior. I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to provide an atmosphere where they are going to, they're going to want to become a part of God's family. And, and that's what this baby dedication is about. It is about their, their parents and us as a family saying, we are going to do everything we can so that they have every opportunity to make a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. So, <clears throat> we know that Jesus <clears throat> loved little children. The disciples tried to keep them away from him one time, and he just said, look, let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. In another place, he said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to ask... Just a minute. I'm going to ask you, and uh, Billy and Angie, and the rest of you, I'm going to ask you this question. Almighty God has been gracious to you in giving you the gift of these children. Do you now present your children before God in dedication? Is it your purpose to bring up your children in the ways of the Lord? It is. Will you continue to love each other and the child God has given, children that God has given you so that it has he slash she, and I gotta say it, he, she, he, she. I lost my place now. Will you continue to love each other and the child God has given you so that he and she will experience the meaning of trust and grace? We will. Will you endeavor to provide a Christian home and atmosphere for your children? Will you teach him and her in the Christian faith and way? Surround him and her with Christian influences through the church and other relationships and encourage him, her, to faith in Jesus Christ. We will. Wonderful. I'm sorry, but you don't get to hold the babies this time. Okay. He's going to figure it Jordan Elizabeth Scarpelli, Joshua Claire Scarpelli. Your grandmother and I and your mother and your father and the rest of your family, we dedicate you to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we promise that we're going to make it possible for you when you get old enough to understand to follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Your word says the children are a heritage of the Lord. And a children's children are a blessing. In, in old age. Father, we thank you for these two precious lives that have been given to Angie and Billy and to this family. We thank you for them. We, we, we pray, Lord, that you will just bless them, that you will cause them, that you will cause them to, through, the, through just through the natural process of being exposed to it each and every day to come to know and understand the love of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask, we ask no other, we ask no other thing. May you bless Angie and Billy. May you give them the grace and the wisdom to have a two-year-old and twins in the same house at the same time. And Father, I just, I just thank you for their love and dedication. And as this family surrounds them, we have committed ourselves to help them in every way. May your blessing rest upon them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. At that, at that very somber moment, he, he proved to me the whole in and out thing. Uh, it was more out than in. Oh. Thank you guys. Blessings. I am I was um I w I took a, an early walk this morning and I was praying and I was thinking about this time and I I was just uh I was overwhelmed with God's blessing. And as I see my family, you know, when Mary's, when uh, my father and mother passed away several years ago, my, my, my mother's probably 10 or 11 years, and my dad's about, about seven or eight years ago, he passed away. And, uh, and then Mary's father passed away almost four years ago. And when that happened, then the, the, the position of patriarch, if you will, fell on my shoulders. Just like that. One day, that will go away and it will pass, it will pass on to the heads of, of those families. But I have this, there's a scripture that just speaks to, um, to how I feel. And it's found, I believe it's found in, it's either 2nd or 3rd John. I should have looked it up because I just thought about it now. And here's what it says. John is an, an, an older man. He's elderly. He's, he's writing and he writes these words, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. That's me. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we're about to look into your word. Your word is powerful. And you tell us that it will, 
not return void, but it will accomplish its purpose. So as we open up these words of truth, I pray, Lord, that they will find a place in each and every heart here. And the truth will become evident. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are in the book of Ephesians. Last week we talked about the powerful prayer that, that Paul prayed and we talked about the power that is, that is available to us in, um, in the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And it's, it, the Bible says that <clears throat> it's the same, it, that power is like the mighty working that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's, that's the same power that dwells in us as believers, the Holy Spirit. Because God used the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us to raise Jesus from the dead. And so that, that mighty power that God used to raise Jesus resides in us. There is no reason for us to fear failure or to, or to fear the enemy or to fear anything because he dwells within us. Now, <clears throat> in chapter 1, Paul wrote and he said, listen, I know you guys, I, I want you to understand something. We have been uh, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, he said in verse 3. So we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And, 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 and he goes on and he, and, he, and he talks about the things we've been predestined to be adopted as his sons. We, uh, he, he goes on and then he prays that powerful prayer. And, and he sets, he, he's telling the Ephesians, these are all the, these are all the good things that, that are yours in, in Christ Jesus. That we've, been, that we've been predestined to be holy and blameless in His sight. And, and now in chapter 2, after he talks about how, how God used the mighty power of the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead, he takes about four verses to remind the Ephesian church just how desperate they were. And he's not just speaking to the Ephesian church. He's speaking to us as well. He's, he's talking to us. Listen to what he has to say. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, I want you to understand, here's, here's, how, this, here's how this works. You walk, out, you walk outside the doors of this church. And, 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 I'm, and I'm not saying that there can't be a problem inside. I'm just saying if you walk outside the doors of the church and you go out into the world, you will meet people who are not believers. Okay? They're not believers. And, and I want you to understand something about them. And I'm not, saying this in an, I'm not saying this in an arrogant way or a holier-than-thou way. I'm simply making a statement of fact so that you can better understand 
the, the urgency that is at hand. See, he says here, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. He's talking in the past tense to the Christian, to the believers in, in Ephesus. He's saying, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I want you to understand when you meet people outside that are not believers, they're dead. Their spirits are dead. Their body is alive. The body is, is working. They're up walking around. They're, they're going to work. They're doing whatever it is they do. But they are dead. Their spirits are dead in their trespasses and sins. He said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins as well. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, he, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, he's speaking there of the devil. Speaking there of Satan. Satan is, is, is known as the ruler or the prince of the power of the air is how the King James puts it in that verse. He said, you used to live in when you followed the ways of the world, when you were doing the things that the world was doing, you were, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were following the way of the world. You were following the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You were doing what Satan wanted you to do. You were bound by Satan. You were captivated by Satan. I want you to understand that people that are that are dead in their trespasses and sin, they are captivated by Satan. And I don't mean captivated as in awe. I mean captivated as in, in chains and held captive. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Those who are disobedient, those who do not love God, those who are, who are not following God, there is a spirit that is in work at work in them which is causing them to be disobedient. Now, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just sidetrack for just a moment. I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm I'm gonna say this. I made a I made a statement just a few minutes ago about I find no greater joy than to let my children walk in truth. And I, and I only say that to the glory of God. I, that's, I'm, that's, I'm just saying that that is, a, that is something. Mary and I worked at that. We, we tried to teach our children to follow Christ. We, we tried to do that. Uh, we tried to emulate it. And, we, and, they, and they, followed, they followed the Lord. I want you to understand what is going on if you have loved ones who are not following the Lord Jesus. I want you to understand what's going on inside of them. Because if you understand what's going on inside of them, it will change how you pray for them. When you understand that an in, someone who has who not come to Christ, their, their spirit is dead. They, their body's alive and they're walking. 
and they're living, but their spirit's dead and they are held captive. They are in chains. They are held captive by the enemy. How are you going to pray for that? You are going to pray that God will open their eyes, that God will break the chains, that God will help them to see the light of the glorious gospel. They have to, it has to, you know, no amount of logic, no amount of words that you will ever speak will ever penetrate down into that dead spirit and make it alive. Only the spirit of the living God can do that. And so you, when we pray for those who are lost, we pray that God will open their eyes. It, that can only happen by the Spirit of God. Listen, I'm, I'm reading a book right now, and it's, it's titled Revival and Revivalism. And it's talking about some of the revivals that took place in the, in the early parts of this country. And how the Spirit of God just would, out of nowhere, would just suddenly begin to move on people. And they would just, they would just come to Christ. Whole towns would come to Christ. That wasn't something that the preacher did. It wasn't something that, the, that, the, that other Christians did. It was just a massive outpouring of God's Spirit. And God's Spirit penetrated the hearts of people. And they began to turn into Him in great numbers. Some called it the Great Awakening. Then there was a second Great Awakening. I want you to understand that so that when you pray for your loved ones, that you will be praying that the Spirit of the living God, the one, the one who resides in you, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, is the one that will open the eyes of those who are blind and break the chains of captivity and allow them to make a decision for Christ so that they can, so they too can be alive in Christ. So he says, and that was just a, that was just a side note. I'm going to come back here. This is the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Listen to this. All of us also lived among them. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That is a profound statement. We were, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were objects of God's wrath. Listen to what Paul writes later on in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, 
God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So when Paul writes and says, we were by nature objects of wrath, there is something that is inherent in us as people. It is inherent in us as people. We were born sinners. We are sinners by nature. We do not become sinners because we do bad things. We do bad things because we are sinners. Because of our condition. Because of the heart condition that we have been born with. We we cannot get away with it. You, the only way that you can get out of that, or the only way that you can say, I was not born a sinner, is you are either created out of dust and God blew, you know, blew His breath into your nostrils and you were the first one ever created. Oh, job already taken. That was Adam. Okay? That was Adam. He was created without a sin nature. And he still fell. Okay? The second thing is, you have to be born of a woman without a man's help. Oh, job already taken. That was Jesus. Jesus was born without a sin nature, and He didn't sin. As a matter of fact, when He went to the cross, He went to the cross with sin on His back, but it was yours and mine. There is, because we were born with this sin in us, and God, the Bible says that God's, God is so holy. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, He can't look on sin. His eye is so holy, He can't look on sin. Sin is an affront to God. Sin is an act of rebellion. Sin is something that God can't even stand to look on. And here you and I are, prior to coming to Christ, we are, we are full of this sinful nature that has come upon us simply because we were born into the human race. You say, well, that's not fair. But it's a reality. Now, now God could have, and because of that sin, the Bible says that the wrath of God rests on us. We were by nature objects of wrath. Colossians says, Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. We were by nature objects of wrath. Now, if we stop there, we would it would be it would be absolutely dismal and frustrating. Here I am, I was born. I didn't ask to be born. I had nothing to do with my being born. I was even born into a Christian family. My mom and dad. Man, I'll tell you what, we sang that song, what, shall, what Can Wash Away My Sin, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. I remember, I can still remember it, I hear it in my head. I was three years old. I, was, I would go down, as a, as a little toddler, I remember going down into our basement up in Pennsylvania and going down into our basement, and my mom would do laundry down there. 
with one of those old ringer washers. Some of you go, what? A ringer washer? What is a ringer Google it. I don't have time to explain it, okay? My mom, would, she'd be doing laundry with, a, with an old ringer washer and a couple of rinse tubs and all that kind of stuff, and she would be singing that song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I heard that from the time I was just a little tyke. Probably Christopher's age. Toddling around in there and hearing my mom. That was her favorite song. What can wash away my sin? I didn't ask to be born. I had nothing to do with it. But I had to tell you, the moment I took my first breath, according to the Word of God, I was an object of wrath. I was full of sin. I hadn't done anything wrong yet, but I had a sin nature that came upon me because my mother and father were sinful, and their mothers and father were sinful, and it went all the way back to Adam. Now, I can look and I can say, well, that's not fair. And God, how can God, how can God judge me for that? I, I, I didn't have anything to do with that. We're not done yet. Now, now comes the exciting part, folks. Now comes the part that I can't fathom why anyone could turn this down. Listen to this. But because of His great love for us, because of His great love for us, God was motivated by His great love. For His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been saved. Grace says, you don't deserve this but I'm going to give it to you. Mercy says, you deserve to be punished, but I'm not going to. I'm going to provide a way for you not to be punished. Because of His great love for us, who, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. That's the third time we've seen the phrase, in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand that, that God saved you by His grace. There wasn't anything that you could do except to trust Him that what He was saying is true. And He did it for the reason that He wants you to become a monument of His grace to show other people what He can do if they will give their lives to Him. Maybe I didn't say that loud enough. Because y'all were just sitting there looking at me like I didn't say a thing. Did that not sink in? Did that, did that not get where it needed to go? 
Did you not hear what I just said? That He saved us and that now He wants each one of us that He has saved to be a monument to the, to the, so that He could show the incomparable riches of His grace. He, Linda, He saved you because He wants you to be this monument of what He does when, when He gets a hold of a life. Man, look at what I can do. God says, look at how I can change somebody and make them into something that I want them to do. They were dead in their trespasses and sin. Not anymore. I made them alive. And look at what they're doing now. Look at how they're being. Look what's happening in their life. That was, that was me at work, God says. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to embarrass you or anything. I'm just, do you understand what he's, what he's doing here? He saved you to show the rest of the world, this is what I can do with you if you too will give your heart to me. God raised us up with Christ and seated us in heavenly places. Now listen to what he says. <clears throat> For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Listen. If you are, if you're here today and you're looking into the things of God and you're looking at yourself and you're going, well, there's a few things about me that, well, they're not what they ought to be. Uh, I'm going to get those things straightened out and then I'm, I'm going to come to God. God wants you just like you are. He wants you just like you are. Why? Because of His grace. See, if you think that you can do anything, here's, here's the thing. Grace plus anything equals no grace at all. If you could do one thing to save yourself, grace is unnecessary. But the very fact that you can't do anything for yourself, you, you can't, Jesus said, you can't even add an hour to your life. You can't even add a hair to your head. Don't I wish I could? If you can't even do that, how are you going to do, how are you going to save yourself? He said, this is a gift of God, not by works. There's nothing that you can do. Why? Because if there's going to be any boasting about you being saved, if you, there's going to be any boasting about you going from being dead in your trespasses and sins and then being alive unto Christ, the only boasting that's going to be done is by God Himself who made that happen. Not you, not me, not anyone. Now, I want to say something here. I'm only going to take a minute to do it. I have one more verse 
and then we're, and then we're finished. But I want you to hear this. There is, there is a very dangerous teaching that is going on in, 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 the, in some areas of the church today. And I need you to hear this. This is my job, my job to warn you about this. And it is, it is a movement that is entitled, somebody has given it the name, the hyper-grace movement. There are churches in this area that are subscribing to, that, to this teaching of hyper-grace. And what the hyper-grace movement is, is this. They are teaching that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. Now, I know that Jesus has made provision for it, okay? But they're teaching that, that our sins, past, present, and future, have already been forgiven, so there is no need to repent. There is no need to repent. There is no need to confess our sins. All of that is unnecessary because of this hyper-grace. And it literally, it literally translates into everyone in the world is going to make it into heaven. There's n there, you don't have to do anything. And the other part of that, since your sins have already passed, present, and future, have already been forgiven, and you don't have to repent, and you don't have to confess, that means that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and everything's okay. That's going on right now. And it is, it is a lie. It's a lie. Did Jesus die for our sins? He absolutely did. Did he, did he die for our... Did he die for our... Are my future sins forgiven? Well, if I confess them and, and ask... Well, the, the problem with, with talking about future sins is assuming that you won't be victorious. See... Paul said in, first, in, in, in Corinthians, he says um, that with every temptation, he provides a way of escape. Now, if you and I took the temp, if we took the way of escape every time we were tempted, we wouldn't sin, would we? I mean, that, that's, the, that's the implication there, is if you take the way of escape, you won't sin. You have to break a known law of God in order to sin. You have to break one of God's commands. You have to break something that God said you shouldn't do in, in order to sin. But if you take the way of escape, you wouldn't sin. Plus the fact that if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. Did God make provision for my for any sin that I might commit in the future? Yes. John writes in chapter 2 of, his, of, of, his, uh, of 1 John and says, My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, He is the propitiation for our sins. That's, he took our place. He's the substitute, His vicarious death. So I just wanted to, I wanted to warn you about that. You may hear someone say that. You may, you may talk to someone who, 
who believes that. I don't want you to get sidetracked. It's my job to let you know what the truth is. This, the truth is this. What I just told you. We are saved by grace, not by works. No, any should, no anyone should boast. Now the last verse says this. Tim, could you, uh, can you change that for me, Tim? There we go. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's salvation is by grace and by grace alone. But the manifestation of the, of the new creation within us See, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The manifestation of that newness within us will create in us new works. We will do good works because of the goodness that is in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We will do good works. We are God's workmanship. He designed us. He created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The good works don't save us. They're a product of our being saved. You understand? We do not get saved by good works. They are a product of our being saved. They are a product of the grace of God. Okay. That's the end of my message. And uh, I want us to I promised you that we were going to have communion today. And I just want to say a, a couple things before we, before we do that. We've had, a, uh, we've had a pretty rough year as a country. Um, and as I said in my email that I sent out to the... Um, and if you didn't get the email, then you need to give me your email address and I will make sure it gets in the, with the congregational email. Um, I sent an email saying that we were going to have communion today. Um, man, our country is really divided right now. Like I've never seen it before, even after an election. And I know that some people are very, very pleased, very happy with what happened on Tuesday. And others are very upset. Hence, we see the protests and uh, all the other things that are going on. I can honestly tell you, as, as a believer in Jesus, I never, ever prayed for one candidate over another to win. I never did. As a matter of fact, Tuesday morning, I went out, uh, I got up and I went out for a walk. And while I was walking, I was praying, and I just said, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that you are, you are the creator of all things and you hold, you hold the future of this country in your hand. And I don't care who gets elected. I just want your person to get in. I just want your person to get in. I was prepared to say that no matter who got elected because I believe that whoever did was God's person. And as I said to the, to the girls at the center last night, we talked about this, 
God didn't just get involved in this thing a week before the election. He got involved in this thing back in when it, when it even before it ever started. Through the whole primary process, through all of this, God was involved in all of that. And whether you agree with what happened or whether you don't, Here's the thing, folks. We belong to a kingdom that will never end. No, did you hear me? We belong to a kingdom that will never end. And we don't, we don't, we don't gather here today. We didn't come here today with a common bond of being Americans. Is, is that why you came to church today? Because you're an American? You came to church today, you wanted to come here with these people because you are a, you are a believer in Jesus. That's the common factor here. That's what brings us together. Now, as a matter of fact, there are some in here that aren't American citizens. And in a couple of months, we'll have more people that'll be here with us that aren't American citizens. So coming together to be a, because we're Americans, that's not why we gather. We gather because we have this common, this common thread that says, I belong, I belong to a kingdom that's different than this world. And my king is on the throne forever. And he will never be dethroned. He will always be there. And he said, when you gather together and I'm the common denominator, there's, there's something that happens. I'm there with you. I'm right there in your midst. So today, we're going to have communion. Not as Americans but as believers in Jesus who trust that He has everything under control. We are united. We are one body, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is in all and through all. That's what brings us together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to You and we thank You for Your incredible grace Oh, the songwriter was, was so correct when he said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Father, we come to you and we are so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful that you took us from when we were dead in trespasses and sin and you made us alive unto Christ. Only you could do that. And then you have... You've asked us to go out into the world and live and let the Lord Jesus live His life through us by the power of Your Spirit so that the world can see I am what I am because of the power of God working in me. Father, we thank You for the privilege it is to live in this country. We don't, we don't take that for granted. Father, we unite together today not because of where we were born, but who we were born of. 
we were born again by the Spirit. And so, Father, today we unite together around Your table, the body and the blood of Jesus. I pray Your blessing upon this bread and upon this cup. And I pray, Lord, that You will that you will bless it to our bodies, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Before we partake of this, I would like you to watch this video. And when we're finished with the video, please get up, take a piece of bread and a cup, come back and sit down, and uh, partake of it there. If you're here today, and you're not a member of this church, but you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are welcome here. We do not, we're, we do not practice, you know, you have to be a member of the church. If you come here and you know Jesus, you're welcome to participate. If you don't know Jesus, then you need to talk to me or someone else about how to know Jesus. But don't partake of this if you don't know Jesus because then you're making fun of it because you really don't believe that what it symbolizes is true. Watch the video.
Heavenly Father, may everything that Jesus did on the cross, may everything that He experienced in His body become a reality to us. From salvation to the healing from the stripes He took on His back, his body broken for us, his blood that cleanses us from all sin. We thank you, Lord, that you did it for us. Your body became broken so that a broken people could be made whole. I pray, Lord, that you will take us from this place today determined to allow Your Spirit to make us these shining examples of what happens to a life when the Spirit of God takes control. Before we leave, Father, we just want to, we just want to thank You for the ministries of this church that we have committed ourselves to, we've committed to pray for, and to support. We pray for our missionaries. We thank you for them as they're here at home. We look forward to seeing Chris in a few weeks. Father, may it be a time of refreshing and refocus. I pray for love serves, Lord. I just thank you for them. Thank you for allowing us to be involved in that ministry. Over 80,000 conversions in the last decade. That is only by your spirit. We pray for the, the transitional center. Thank you for the great time we had together last night. I pray for each and every person, every girl, every lady that's in that place. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall upon that place. I pray for Chaplain Burke, and I just pray that you will anoint her with your spirit to be able to reach 
the girls that are there that have never made the commitment to follow you. And I pray for the e-prison ministry, Lord, and I just thank you for Brother Art, for his commitment to spread the gospel to those who are behind bars. Thank you for the life-changing message of the gospel that goes into those dark places and, and brings light. And I thank you for the ministry here at the church of the daycare. I thank you for our staff. I thank you that they are determined to show to the children, the families, the love of God. And we thank you for that opportunity. Take us from this place, Lord. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. Help us to be all of those things in Jesus' name. Amen.